sing your worship and your praise. We thank you that through it all, by your grace, we can be saved. We need a fresh outpouring of that sometimes. So, Lord, just make that a reality to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I just forgot to do one thing at the beginning. Um, <coughs> now Emily's left, we don't have a safeguarding officer, in which means that we can't just let the children go out with other people. If you'd like to take the children to the back room, that's fine. If you'd like to leave them in here, that's fine also. You've got children, haven't you? No? Okay, it's coming. Um, so... Um, Leave them in here. There's some colouring and some papers and bits and pieces around if you want to do, do that. But that's why, for a minute, there won't be any children's work. But we're working on it. Okay, Guthrie, it's lovely to have you. Come and let me just pray for you as well, if I may. Can I? So, Lord, I just thank you for this, your servant Guthrie. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice through him today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks so much. It's really, really good and lovely to be with you um, today. Yeah, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm Guthrie. My wife and I go to church in, in Hale, but um, it's an honor to be amongst you today. Um, and really, I'd love um, to think with you today about the theme of passing on the baton as competitors run in a relay race. Um, where one runner finishes his or her course and they pass on the baton to the next runner, their teammates, so that the race can continue. And we think about that theme as we think and pray about the leadership transition for you guys here at Hope uh, right now, uh, that the baton is being passed on. Um, and as we think about that transition, I think maybe it could be encouraging to look at a particular Bible story um, where the baton is being passed on, where there's a leadership transition. Um, and so today, we're going to be looking at a story at the end of the book of Acts, where the Apostle Paul has been working in a particular area for a really long time, and he's going to have to leave that area. So he's passing the baton on to the next leaders. Um, you see, um, Paul and his friends, they're zipping through the Mediterranean by boat to try and reach uh, Jerusalem by Pentecost. But on the way, they have to say a quick goodbye to the church in Ephesus because it's clear that Paul will never see these people again. So at this point in the book of Acts, the, the city of Ephesus, it's become quite a major hub for ministry. It's quite, become quite a major hub for the gospel and quite a major center for Paul. He's been there at this point for two, two whole years, preaching and teaching there. And so um, it's actually his longest time at any church so far. And Ephesus as a city today is actually surprisingly intact on the southern coast of modern-day Turkey. It's surprisingly intact as a group of Roman ruins. Um, if we click on his, my wife and I, just a couple of years there, there's the ruins of Ephesus in the background. We'll click, click on again. Uh, this is the library, and then once more... Um, yeah, this is the, well, the amphitheater there, which still exists. So this is kind of the city um, that Paul was ministering in. But as for Paul, his time there, his time in Ephesus was extremely well invested. This was time well spent. 
because the writer of Acts, Luke, tells us that um, everyone who lived in the area around Ephesus, everyone who lived in the whole of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. But as for this trip, um, time was really, really short, and it was a time for goodbyes. So Paul is passing the baton on to the Ephesian elders. He's passing, he's commissioning them as leaders but he's also modeling his own leadership as an example. He's reminding them what true Christ-centered service is all about. So without delay, we'll jump into our passage. If you have a Bible with you, we'll be in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we'll begin in verse 17. Acts 20 from verse 17. And some of it will come up on the screen here as well. So from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and he called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God, And now, behold, I know that all of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. 
You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Click on. So the elders of the church in Ephesus, they travel 30 miles south to Miletus, to the coast. And they gather here to hear this final farewell speech of an incredible man that they knew really well and intimately trusted. The Apostle Paul was their friend, their mentor, their encourager, the one who always challenged them to pursue Jesus and always keep pursuing Jesus. It would have been clear that the elders and the whole church in Ephesus would have known Paul really, really well. It says there in verse 18 that he was with them the whole time. So they would have seen absolutely everything he had been through for a period of about two or three years. They would have seen it all, the highs and the lows, the tears and the trials. The, the tiredness and the fatigue for Paul, the, the true joys and the triumphs. And because uh, Paul actually went through it all in Ephesus, he had an incredibly tough time. We see that he had tears and trials and persecution. He went through humility. He went through plots from the Jews, plots to kill in fact, in every city and village he went into around Ephesus, they chased him out of the town. This was a time of incredible, fierce opposition. And these elders, these friends of his, would have seen it all. They would have seen the impact that it had on this man. And yet, what I find incredible that through all these incredible difficulties, um, these trials didn't actually hold the Apostle Paul back. In fact, far from it. Because this was a time where his work in evangelism and discipleship flourished. He poured all of his time and energy and attention and love into helping people to get to know Jesus and telling them about Jesus for the very first time. Now see that with me there in verse 20 and 21. He says, I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, Ephesians. I didn't hold back in telling you anything that you needed to know in order to serve and love Jesus. That is to say, I haven't pulled any punches. I haven't beaten around the bush with you. 
Paul says, there were times where I needed to share with you some hard truths, but I didn't hesitate in addressing those issues because I knew that it would only be profitable for you. Paul says to them, you're my friends, so I treated you like friends because a true friend is someone who will occasionally have to call stuff out. And Paul says that means I had to put my need to be liked far below your need to be holy. Paul says, I did the work with you. I taught you publicly and pastorally. He says, I was in your homes. Uh, It wasn't just that I did the work of discipleship with you. I did the work of evangelism. I told everyone else around you about repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we click off, Paul now says, now I'm I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what is waiting for me when I get there. Paul says, I only know that the Holy Spirit's been incredibly clear and consistent in telling me that it's going to be far from easy. Bonds, chains, shackles, and imprisonment await me, Paul says. Talk about encouraging prophecy. (laughs) So, Let's be really, really clear, Paul then isn't moving on to greener pastures, is he? He hasn't got a promotion, or if he has, it's not the kind of promotion that we might expect. It's not a bigger paycheck. It's not a more comfortable lifestyle. In fact, it's the exact opposite of all of those things. Yet it's clear that for the Apostle Paul, clinging on to his life longer important to him. Paul has given up on this endless pursuit for personal comfort, and he's ready to accept bonds and chains and imprisonment and even interrogation if it will further the cause of Jesus Christ, if he will fulfill the mission and the ministry that God has laid out for him the ministry that Jesus and only Jesus has for him. That is, to fully testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So it's crucial for us to remember then that Paul is telling his story in order to encourage the elders in their story. Paul is using himself as an example. So for you here at Hope, You are to follow Paul as he follows Christ. In stepping up into the next season for this church, through whatever tears or trials come upon you, you're called to not hold back from declaring to each other the full purpose and plan of God. You're called to teach and encourage one another, both publicly and pastorally, in each other's homes, daily, day and night, like the Apostle Paul was in Ephesus, three years. Like Paul, you don't know what it is that lies ahead of you, but you are called to renounce this endless pursuit of personal comfort and instead embrace the endless pursuit of Jesus Christ and his mission as your one non-negotiable. Let's read 
how Paul continues on. If we click on. Paul says, and now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Talk about a tearjerker then. Paul says, I'm never going to see your face again. He says that to the elders in Ephesus. And he says, as a result then, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I, I don't know about you, I find that a really strange statement. He says he's innocent of the blood of all men. What does that mean? It becomes clearer in the next sentence where he explains that he's innocent of the blood of all men because he didn't shrink from declaring to every single person the whole purpose of God, the whole will of God, the whole plan of God. He didn't hold back anything from his friends in telling them everything there was to know of God's expressed will. And as a result... His hands were clean. There was no blood on his hands. He was innocent because whatever someone might do, if someone decided to do the wrong thing, he, Paul had done absolutely everything he could. And so he charges the elders to take care of the flock, to watch over the flock, both to watch over themselves and over the whole flock. He tells them to be on guard, to be on the defensive. He tells them to shepherd the church of God, which God bought with his very own blood. They are to care for the church because the church is of immense value. The price paid for the church was the very blood of Christ. And so as a result, Paul tells them to take care of the church, to protect the church, to defend the church, to shepherd the church. Paul then is passing on the baton, isn't he? He's saying, I shepherded, now you shepherd. He's saying, I oversaw things, now you oversee things. I pastored, now you pastored. Now you pastor. Paul actually is like he says, I'm not actually keen to stay on in this role because the Holy Spirit is calling me on to something else. But Paul says the job must continue. So shepherd the church of God, which he bought with his very own blood. So what is it that these elders are to guard against? What are they to watch out for? Well, look at me in from verse, look with me from verse 29. 
He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. False teachers bringing false gospels are waiting in the sidelines. Paul calls them fierce wolves who are prowling about, waiting to attack, waiting for the moment when Paul will leave. <clears throat> they um, are there, their purpose is to hurt and to kill and to destroy, just like their master, the devil. Because after all, what do real savage wolves do? They tear sheep apart, don't they? And so in the same way, these false apostles um, are waiting for people and situations that feel weak or vulnerable. Paul says that even from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things, seeking to draw true disciples after them. They'll, they're going to twist the truth, making it crooked rather than straight for their own personal, selfish, ambitious gain to draw men after themselves. So, Paul says, watch out. Be on the alert. Remembering for a period of three solid years, I warned and encouraged you exactly about these sorts of threats for three solid years, even with tears in my eyes. And so for you guys here at Hope today, God would say, watch out, watch out, and watch out for each other. There is a very real enemy out there. So God would say, pastor each other, even with tears. Look out for each other, care for one another, love one another. There will be wolves, there will be very real threats which seek to destroy this church, which seek to tear lives apart and seek to tear families apart. So be on the alert, watch out. And don't hold back from declaring the whole purpose of God. Be like Paul, he was innocent of the blood of all men because he didn't hold back from declaring the whole purpose of God, both to those who knew God and to those who had no idea. As far as it's possible for you, let men, women, and families know God's plan for their life, which is to be at peace with him and to enjoy him forever. And I don't know about you, but if, if that task sounds a bit overwhelming, if, if those tasks sound a bit too great, if the enemies sound a bit too large, if the task to shepherd and care for God's church is actually a bit too heavy, then please remember that you're not on your own. You are not on your own. You're not on your own, and you're not expected to take on these kind of tasks in your own strength. Let's read how Paul encourages the elders in this task. If we click on from verse 35, 30, sorry. Yeah, here you go. And now, 
Here's how Paul encourages the elders. He says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who are with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word that he'd spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. You see, because the danger ahead for God's church was so great, because the trouble was so large and real and overwhelming, Paul says, I commend you to God and to him alone. He will be your strength and your solace and your help. And it's his word of grace that's able to give you an inheritance among all the saints, among all those who are sanctified. He will protect you. You see, the task to shepherd and to care for God's church is far too great for you. But it's not too great for God. And so... Hope Church, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to which is which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commit you to God and to him alone. He will be your strength and your solace and your help and your refuge in the times ahead. Now we don't know what's coming ahead. But we can be fairly certain that there's an enemy who would love to kill and steal and destroy. He would love to tear down, to tear apart. But we can be even more confident that we have a God who is able to strengthen you and establish you and defend you and surround you. That he is able to care for you and pastor you in this season. And a significant way that he's going to do that is through your love for one another. So can I please ask you and, and challenge you to shepherd one another, to care for one another, to love one another, to not shrink from declaring to each other the whole plan and purpose of God. And to many of others around you who need to hear about repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say that very, very aware this morning that the baton is being passed on, isn't it? The baton is being passed on. It's very clear in the story we've looked at that the Apostle Paul was passing the baton on to the Ephesian elders. And it's very clear here this morning that the baton is being passed on. Now, while the leadership transition here is still unclear, what is very clear is that the baton is being passed on. And I might suggest, can I please suggest to you that the baton is being passed on to you? The baton is being passed on to you, every single one of you. God is passing the baton to you. 
He says here is the baton of discipleship. Here's the baton of evangelism. Run with it. Go for it. This is the time to shepherd the church which God bought with his very own blood. Whoever the next leader here is at this church, they will have a much easier time of leading if you guys are able to step up and lead now. Because it's far, far easier to steer a ship that's already moving than one that is stuck in the mud, isn't it? But what's clear is that God is passing the baton to you. The challenge is, what are you going to do with it? Why don't we pray together as the band come back up? Father, we throw ourselves on your mercy. We recognize the challenge that you're passing the baton to us. And you're saying, you're asking us to step up and run into this next season. Lord, we give you our fears, we give you our concerns, we give you um, the challenges for this church and the challenges for us individually. You know them. You know all of those things intimately. But Father, we recognize that you're calling us on, you're calling us up, you're asking us to shepherd and care for one another. You're asking us to shepherd the church of God, which you bought with your very own blood. You didn't hold back anything of yourself in everything that you gave to us. So, Father, I want to pray for the grace of God upon this church and upon this fellowship. I want to ask for your mercy upon these men and women and families, that you would shepherd them and that you would care for them, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would encourage them, that you would defend them, that you would surround them with your mercy and your grace, and that you would empower them by the Holy Spirit for mission and ministry here in Penzance, here in Alverton, here in Newlyn, and beyond by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we know that the fields are white for harvest. You just ask us to pray that you would send out laborers. So we ask, send out your laborers in the name of Jesus. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.